to the Hybrid Pub Scout podcast with me, Emily Einolander. And me, Corinne Kalaski. Hello. Bonjour. Bonjour. Sorry. Bonjour. <laughs> We're mapping the frontier between traditional and indie publishing. And today we are delving into some very early publishing history with returning guest Chris Curran, who we first talked to in episode 16. Chris is a historian, librarian, and author of... Images of America, the Lower American River. Yay! You can tell us more about your book later. What do you think? I'm okay with that. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me once again. I love you guys. I love being here. And this is just the right amount of bonkers that I love to (laughs) bore people needlessly with. So I'm happy to be here. You're all opting in right now. (laughs) <laughs> and I will say um, little, you know, bits of content warning. Uh, this is about the witch hunts of uh, Europe and there is violence and there is murder and there is misogyny um, and just general hatred. So um, be warned. And also we say the F word on this show. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I, I think Mad. that is the only word in my entire vocabulary. <laughs> and, and you're a librarian. Yeah. <laughs> All the more reason. That's <laughs> true. I do need to say that I keep yelling French stuff um, because Corinne uh, has a Zoom filter where she has a red beret on. Uh-huh. And, and a beauty mark. Do you see? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> For a second, I forgot whether that was real. <laughs> no, I wish it were. That would be cool. But no, it's fake. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Well, I won't tell. But we just told everybody. So it's too late. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's let's get down to it. Karen, you want to kick us off with sure. some uh, with some facts about this terrible book we're about to talk sure. about? No, of course. All right. Here we go. Okay. The Malleus Maleficarum is a handbook to identification, prosecution, and extermination of witches that was instrumental in the deaths of thousands of people, around 70 to 85% of which were women. The authors were two Dominican inquisitors, the sexually obsessed Heinrich Kramer and Jacob Sprenger, whose actual involvement is contested by some since his name was added to the title page 30 some years after his death. In this podcast, we will not give the entire history of witch hunting, but will mostly focus on the publication of the the Malleus Maleficarum and its fallout in Europe in the 1500s. <laughs> Sorry, I uh, abbreviated something, and that's good. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Yeah, good thing I didn't say, like, I don't know, the... Mallow Mars or something. <laughs> the M&Ms. Oh. Yeah, the M&Ms, yeah. I, I say Malamar is now the new name of the book. The Malamar of Mmm, delicious. Delicious, delicious murder. <laughs> state sanctioned delicious murder um okay so our sources today include the actual text of the malleus maleficarum is translated by montague summers because i don't think i've seen other translations maybe chris you have um yeah i saw i saw a couple and i'd i'd I'd, at first in 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 fevered moments of wanting to delve really into this i wanted to compare translations and then i came to my senses <laughs> that's good cuz <laughs> that would that, you'd be on your own <laughs> we'd just be sitting here going like nodding i'm giving i'm giving a confused look right now for those of you listening at home <laughs> We also got Witch Craze, A New History of the European Witch Hunts by Anne Llewellyn Barstow, The Malleus Maleficarum and the Construction of Witchcraft by Hans Peter Brodel, um, Witches in Print or How the Patriarchy Weaponized the Printing Press to Silence Independent Women by Jessica Caponegro. Um, uh, it was a zine that I saw on Instagram that I ordered last year because <laughs> I was like, I want to talk about that. Um, and then you put a couple books on there too, Chris. Uh, yeah, a uh, history of heaven, witchcraft in the Middle Ages by um, a history professor Jeffrey Burton Russell from your alma mater, uh, oh, yeah. Emily UCSB, um, and he uh, also contributed to the um, Encyclopedia Britannica on um, both the Malleus Maleficarum and the witchcraft entries. So cool. I'm going to be talking a lot 
from his work. I also um, read a little bit from uh, The Battle for God, A History of Fundamentalism by Karen Armstrong, um, one of my favorite uh, religious scholars um, and former nun. Oh, wow. Yeah. She escaped. Good for her. Yes. <laughs> Got to. <laughs> um, I would like to kind of set the stage for this story by um, telling the maybe supervillain origin story of the uh, twerp who wrote this fucking book um, <laughs> based on his deeply held misogyny and bitterness at being publicly embarrassed by one woman in particular who is my new hero <laughs> despite the fallout all right october 29th 1490 95 it was 85 was it it was 85 we're off to a great start <laughs> i was like wait i corrected that 1485, a collection of churchmen and scribes and dignitaries all gathered together in the town hall of an Austrian town of Inns Innsbruck um, to get to the bottom of some suspected witchcraft. Um, our twerpy author in question, uh, Kramer, showed up from Cologne, Germany, because he fancied himself a witch hunting expert and wanted to, you know, make sure to get these people in line. Um, and he had a Latinized name. I'm I understand that this is somewhat normal um, to have yes. a Latinized name, but it still makes him look like a douchebag. Um, Henricus Insistor. <laughs> it, it was so common. I'm sorry, not to just butt in, no, but it please. was such a common thing that um, Cristofero Colombo um, <laughs> Another known latinized asshole. his name. Latinized his name, Christopher Columbus. Um, oh. So it was a very common um practice in the 15th century uh the medici even did it too um but i'm done continue i'm trying to think <laughs> of like a, a modern equivalent of like elevating oneself in an obnoxious way <laughs> what about H hilaria baldwin <laughs> or is it okay. hilaria i don't know I, I mean if it's spanish it would be hilaria hilaria right yeah well, you need to start speaking in a French accent to live oh. up to your beret, and we can okay. call you. Is Corinne? Corinne's a French into... name. Corinne. So, yeah, they say it like Corinne, which is much prettier <laughs> than English, of course. But yeah, Chris. Yeah, you got to get that that yeah, vellum. Yeah, like, yeah. So there were thirteen people that were under scrutiny, and the main target was a woman named Helena Schoiberin who was suspected of causing a knight's illness and eventual death by magic. She was married to a high-profile burger for eight years, but was not married to him anymore. And everyone knew her around town as an, um, in the, I think Brodel was the person who wrote this. She was an aggressive, independent woman who wasn't afraid to speak her mind. So... Her we first, like her. I love her. <laughs> her. Her first encounter with Kramer was as he was strolling through the town, um, getting ready for his witch hunts. She saw him in the street, spat at his feet, and said, "Fie on you, you bad monk! May the falling evil take you." Oh. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Yes. <laughs> um, she also avoided his sermons as much as possible, but when she did attend one, she interrupted it by announcing to the crowd that his obsession with witchcraft made him the heretic and he was in league with the devil which seems like a reasonable argument and the one that comes to me every time I'm watching this kind of thing I'm like you're the sick one like but we'll get into that more <laughs> so um, this went back and forth a bit. It turned it turned less into a I'm here to hunt witches into a I'm here to hunt you, you bitch, um, as far as Kramer was concerned. So he launched into an intense line of questioning when the trial did begin um, about stuff like her virginity, how many people she had slept with, and whether the devil was one of the people she was having <laughs> sex with. And, you know, just basically got more and more explicit until everyone in the room was really, really uncomfortable. The uh, bishop's representative finally asked him to stop because he was offending everyone. And um, they all were like, this is completely like her sex life is irrelevant to this conversation. Ah, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so on October 31st, they reconvened, but the uh, bishop had put a defense lawyer 
in um which had not been there before in for the 13 women who were um on trial and that day they basically got it the trial suspended and blamed um kramer for being such like what did he say this is a direct quote um senile and crazy <laughs> so he um he was he was upset um about this failure and because he thought he had all of the authority and everyone was undermining him and all show them all um so he he's scampered back to cologne and started to write a book that proved women's sexuality and independence was directly related to service to satan and I say Esprit d'Escaliard, it's darkest. The the spirit of the staircase? <laughs> oh, I thought you taught me that. It's when you walk away and you like come up with the comeback. Like oh. you're up on the stairs and you're like, oh, oh. I should have said this. Okay. So to me, this entire thing mm -hmm. is just, like he's walking away back to Cologne like, oh, I should have said this. <laughs> oh, my God. So he yes. um, wrote this terrible book, The Malleus Maleficarum. And um, he made sure he went and got a papal uh, authorization, I believe, as Innocent the Seventh. And he made it, he made it the intro to his book. The reason we're talking about this on the Hybrid Pub Scout podcast, not just because it's a book, but because the reason that this book became such a big deal is because of the birth of the printing press. So it was published in 1486. Um, over the next 50 years, 20 editions came out and then by the next hundred years after that there had been 15 about 15 more 15 16 um the first edition came out around 40 years after the invention of the printing press by johannes gutenberg which meant it could be distributed distributed throughout europe without someone having to literally sit down and hand copy it renaissance printing press could produce over 3,000 pages a day how many pages can you handwrite in a day I don't know. <laughs> so, and maybe you can like, maybe we will provide some more clarity about like how involved the church was in this. But uh, what I read was that there were theologians in Cologne where um, Kramer was from who uh, decried it, said that it was a piece of shit basically and that no one should use it and it should be illegal. Um, but it became an extremely popular book with like actual secular civic members of uh, the government. And uh, it didn't matter if you were Catholic or Protestant, became a fantastic tool of political persecution for everyone, especially women. Um, my favorite quote that I saw about this was the swift propagation of the witch hysteria by the press was the first evidence that Gutenberg had not liberated man from his original sin. You know, I first encountered it in in my undergrad, right during during my you know history uh, classes of the um, you know the history of the uh, of the Reformation and and um, uh, the Counter Reformation and all of that. And um, it, it wasn't until I reread it for for this project that it it finally dawned on me what it was about it that is just so bonkers and the as i was reading it over this last week i was like oh this reads like incel bullshit yes absolutely that's and, especially like with the uh the innsbruck story is yeah definitely made me think that it's like oh this this bitch is sleeping with all these people and not me <laughs> yeah exactly and you know there's there's all of this I, you know, I'm going to talk about this later, but there, you know, at one point, not one point, but um, throughout the book, he keeps talking about like the receptiveness of women um, and uh, uh, just made yeah. my, my skin crawl every time I, uh, but um, yeah, the, the, this whole focus on like the receptiveness of women and as such, you know, they receive the devil and, you know, demon sperm and, and um corpse babies and all of this other stuff and it <laughs> and oh it, it 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 definitely read like some of this um uh viral um mis you know internet misogyny and i just i just thought that was so interesting and how many parallels could be drawn between um 
you know, this horse shit and the stuff that we have now, this vitriolic um, incel nonsense. And and I don't know, um, maybe listeners aren't, aren't familiar with this incel thing. It's short for incelibate. Or I'm um, involuntarily celibate. involuntary oh, celibate, right. okay. yeah, mm-hmm. and it's um it's this you know dark corner you know from like the dark recesses of the internet where um all of these men who feel entitled to sex and and you know expect all women to fall at their feet and worship them as sexual beings um, <laughs> without and, putting and... any work in <laughs> exactly <laughs> um it it is dark and it is scary and it is um misogynistic um just absolute craziness and it it gets wrapped into you know well if i'm if nobody is going to have sex with me then i'm going to be violent and i'm going to perpetuate um the worst parts of patriarchy and misogyny you know it it gets wrapped into um internet um white supremacy entitlement um, yeah, and it, yeah. Oh, it is. So, <laughs> ugh, sorry. No I, said, no, I just. So, why exactly do they think they're owed these things? I mean, is it just because they're men, or just yes. because? Okay, because all, right. uh, no, all of the men before, like any asshole, could get married back in the day because, right. like, women needed a like source of financial security because yeah. you couldn't go get your own goddamn credit card. Right. Like you couldn't buy a house by yourself. And so like you could be a total piece of shit and you could find a wife. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's like, where is my wife? Well, I can't. (laughs) I have a wife. I'm nice. I'm a white man. Mm -hmm. The irony is that like the incel, the phrase incel was coined by a disabled black woman um, for herself (laughs) and like her community. (laughs) So yeah. here's another thing that terrible white supremacists have stolen from black Jesus. women. Oh my God. I did yeah. not know that. That is. Yeah. So I would like to kind of um, give the structure of the book a little bit with, and I have some bullet points that are purely like my um, non-historian viewpoint of the content. So section one. Treating of the three necessary concomitants of witchcraft, which are the devil, a witch, and the permission of Almighty God, which to me said witches are bad and they are real. And if you don't believe me, you are also real bad. Um, in the text, it says an infidel if you don't believe that witches do these things. And Chris, I'm sorry, I am oversimplifying the hell out of this. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> So there was a quote that really bothered me in another way, because you're talking about the receptiveness thing. And I think it kind of it's like they imagine they are riding with Diana or with Herodias. In truth, they are riding with the devil. Also, these same women who don't know that they are um, not riding with Diana are also copulating with the devil, which I guess means they think they're having lesbian sex, but it's actually sex with the masculine devil. I don't know. I'm making a leap here, but it's like, you think you're doing this one thing, but you are actually doing this other thing. But even though you don't know that you're doing it, you are willfully doing it. (laughs) Yeah, there's, there is a lot of circular logic in all of this, you know, disguised in um, uh, 15th century uh, long ass sentences. And you, you lose lose track of the of the subject of the sentence like several clauses ago and then oh and then also midwives are bad because they do abortions and um they actually want to kill all of your babies and it's like sorry your infant mortality rate has to do with exposure and nutrition and like lack of medical availability but okay go off The sad thing that I read, though, um, in the Witch Craze book um, by Anne Llewellyn Barstow was uh, she takes it's a very like women's feminist studies uh, take on the entire experience. And she made an interesting observation that women would often confess to these things really thinking that they were guilty because they had guilt about, you know, the baby dying you know, they're like, it must have, you know, we all blame ourselves for shit. Um, That's not our fault. And so they were like, preying on that in these women who like, 
felt bad that something bad had happened around them. So I had never thought of that part of it before. That is really interesting. Yeah. I mean, because a lot of people like confessed without torture. And so like there had to be some kind of like psychological, like gaslighting mindfuck going on there, you know? Definitely. Um, and it, yeah, Karen Armstrong, the, the, the religious, um, scholar I, I, I mentioned earlier, she goes into, um, kind of like, uh, uh, kind of a, a Jungian analysis of, um, society at the time. And, um, it's interesting that you, that you bring that kind of stuff up. She, she, um, oh gosh, what did she say as I, you know, <laughs> scurry through my notes here, but she, she brought up an interesting fact or an interesting idea. And if, excuse me, as I, as I quote uh, liberally from her, but the great, <laughs> she says um, in her book, The Battle for God, a, a History of Fundamentalism, the great rich craze uh, showed that a cult of scientific rationalism cannot always hold darker forces at bay. Mysticism and mythology had taught men and women to deal with the world of the unconscious. It may not be accidental that at a time when religious faith was beginning to abandon this type of spirituality, the subconscious ran amok. God was beginning to seem so remote, alien, and demanding that for some he was becoming demonic. Subconscious fears and desires were projected upon the imaginary figure of Satan. And, and it's through Satan, right, um, that, that the witches gained their power, according to, according to uh, the Malamar um, the Malamar of witches, um, <laughs> the hammer of candy bars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's the name of this episode. <laughs> but no, I just I, I I think that's really interesting that um, you know women um, you know would would you know feel so badly about the miscarriages and everything that they would that they would internalize it so much and then and then even internalize the the persecution at the hands of you know all of these um authority uh, men of authority mm-hmm. i wow that is a right? really interesting thought and i i think it's interesting that that you see you know armstrong's take on it as as kind of the macrocosm uh the 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 macrocosm psychology right and then mm-hmm. and then um um, hearing about it from like the, the personal um, right. standpoint is also really interesting. I mean, I think that it was a lot of what she's doing is speculation, obviously, but like, yeah. it's a, it's, it seems like a good deduction to me because I had this idea of witch hunts where it's like, there are the people who are going, you know, wild trying to accuse people of things. And then there are the same people who have lost all power, but that's too binary. Like the person right. who's on trial might not necessarily know that they're not guilty. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, and it maybe it's because they think that they're riding with Diana. Remind me what Diana was the goddess of. I forget. Is she like is it fertility? Uh, no, actually. I think no? it was okay. uh yeah, she she's the same as Artemis, right? Right the hunter and the The hunter okay that's right okay okay uh part two treating on the methods by which the works of witchcraft are wrought and directed and how they may be successfully annulled and dissolved i.e jesus will help you keep witches from curdling your milk stealing your erections killing your feti making you want to have sex with ugly chicks and sending (laughs) hailstorms to mess up your crops (laughs) <laughs> and there's literally like one I, they're called questions but I guess it's like a sub category or, or chapter and it's like it was literally called how as it were they deprive man of his virile member <laughs> there is so much talk of virile members <laughs> in this book oh my god um and then part three relating to the judicial proceedings in both the ecclesiastical and civil courts against witches and indeed all heretics. So basically how to railroad torture and kill your enemies according to how sorry they are for the shit you told them they did. Yeah. So that's, that's the book (laughs) generally. Sounds like a real page turner. Yeah. Oh, you were going to tell me more about receptiveness. (laughs) Oh, it, it, it goes 
into it like so so many times um but there was this there's this one quote and i am i am going to uh quote again if i may um quote away uh, but this but this comes from the this comes from the malleus um and um so it's, it's so this paragraph and and all of these dependent clauses um start <laughs> out with um Others again have, profound, have propounded other reasons why there are more superstitious women found than men. And the fact is that they are more credulous, they being women. Um, and since the chief aim of the devil is to corrupt faith, therefore he rather attacks them. See Ecclesiasticus uh, 14. Uh, he that is quick to believe is light-minded and shall be diminished. The second reason according to according uh, to these um, wonderful theologians. Uh, the second reason is that women are naturally more impressionable and are ready to receive the influence of a disembodied spirit. Wow. That sounds and like wishful that, thinking. Yeah. Right? So so yeah, this is more of that 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 psychotic um, incel nonsense. Mm -hmm. um, I just need to get to her first so you. I can yeah. impress upon her. Impress and, and impregnate with my, you know, my, my virile incredibly member. virile member. Yep. Um, but yeah, there is, there is a lot of emphasis on, on women like taking, you know, taking in um, the devil and taking in, you know, semen and, and, and all of this. And, and this, these authors or, or single author, depending on, on, on which historian we're going to listen to. Right. But um, yeah, there is a lot of talk about, about sex and, and supposedly, you know, this guy is a, um, is a, is a Dominican priest. Right. And so he's supposed to be celibate. And I've often wondered, and, and full disclosure, I was raised Catholic um, but I had often wondered that, you know, what exactly happens to somebody who honestly deprives themselves of a natural bodily drive, you know, who willfully enters into celibacy, but how, but that has to kind of mess with, you know, mess with your mind. So I've, I've often wondered like how, how that would manifest itself in a person's behavior or, or, um, the What's way they interact on? with other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I think this guy definitely had some serious problems. And and I wonder if it stemmed uh, you know, from his supposed celibacy. I mean, it had to be more than that, right? Those other yeah. those other guys were like, What the fuck's wrong with you? And they all took <laughs> oaths as well. <laughs> also, I an, another thing, and and this is one of my um favorite historical medical quackery um, theories that that was around in Western in quote unquote Western medicine since all the way back to the ancient Greeks. And, and it's the concept of the quote unquote wandering uterus. Yes. <laughs> what is that? Oh my God, listen. Oh, I am going to school you on some medical wow. quackery. Okay. Be prepared. Okay. okay. So, You're not ready so for this jelly. <laughs> oh, you are not, lady. No. And and all of you, all of you wonderful listeners, be prepared to do some Googling. So so way back in the fifth century uh, uh, before the Common Era in, in Greece, um, on a Greek island called uh, Kos, C-O-S, Kos, there was a um, ancient Greek um, physician uh, named Hippocrates. You might have heard of Hippocrates, right? He is the guy that supposedly wrote the Hippocratic Oath, right? He was, it, it, he's one of the first people that, that kind of came up with this, this idea of the wandering uterus. And it was then propounded by um, a man, also another Greek man, um, another Greek physician named Galen, who wrote a couple centuries after um, Hippocrates. And the idea is that, you know, women are so fickle and they're so... Um, you know, ruled by their emotions and by their passions. Why is that? Well, that's because the uterus is a detached organ in the body. And um, over the course of a month, it travels up and down inside the torso. <laughs> and so a woman's feelings and, and passions and everything are always 
mercurial as a result of this wandering uterus. And this concept, it lasted for, you know, thousands of years, all the way up until, you know, kind of the modern uh, modern medicine, you know, when we start getting into the enlightenment and people started dissecting human bodies and, you know, started realizing, oh, wait, I don't think this is actually detached. Um, and then Freud tried <laughs> to bring it back. Yeah, it was, oh, this is, I, I love, I, I love hearing about this just because it, it, it it's so bonkers. It's so crazy. And it is, it is, you know, people, um, men, um, reaching so far to try and, you know, justify, uh, the way that they treat women and, and, oh my God, it, it bonkers. For a lack of imagination in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. well, like, <laughs> it's fun to be mercurial. Frankly, I refuse to like go by the by the stereotype that being logical and having no feelings is better because look where that's gotten us yeah <laughs> let that uterus wander ladies <laughs> oh just just and just people, other people with uteruses <laughs> anyway um, yeah there was one point in the book there was um you know talk about um talk about the uterus or or the womb depending on the the translation um but there was this phrase, the mouth of the womb. And again, uh, which ugh, when you let, said that and then had to stop. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I I I wasn't looking close enough at, at our at our Zoom call here uh, to see that happening. But yeah, there's this they talked about the mouth of the womb. And again, there's that receptivity, right? And it it was in um there, there are three things that are never satisfied, yay, a fourth thing which says not it is enough, that is the mouth of the womb. Wherefore, for the sake of fulfilling their lusts, they consort even with devils. Oh, they mean the vagina. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I thought they meant the um, cervix. Yeah. What, what they didn't know what that was. Yeah. The, these, Just the this evil is coming... midwives knew what that was. Yeah. And yeah. they all died. <laughs> you know, when we first started talking about this and we, you know, I, I was like, I am dead set. I, I am positive that the wandering uterus is going to fig figure into this somewhere. And mm, I, got there. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, so gross. <laughs> Corinne, where's your uterus right now? Do you, do you got to hold uh, on it? You know, I think it's like vacationing in Mykonos or something Ooh. because <laughs> I mean, that's where I would like to be right now. So sometimes Someone I send can... my uterus in my place when I cannot go. So. Can you astral project your uterus? That's the question. <laughs> oh my God. If that were the case, I'm going to try. I'm... Oh, if I that mean... were the case, now I want one. <laughs> yeah. So you got some notes here also about what kinds of people were killed. Mm-hmm who persecuted them and where did these things happen mostly? Who, me? Yeah, yeah. I've seen your notes. There's, there, there is a, a lot. delegator, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is a lot to unpack here. And um, historians always, when historians start looking at the, at the primary sources and they start seeing round numbers in terms of like populations or like sizes of armies or populations of towns or villages or everything. The, the first thing, the first instinct is to be very, very suspect of round numbers. And um, one of the things, one of the things that, that I always understood was that yes, the, the burning times, the, um, the persecution of quote unquote, which is from the 1400s all the way into the 1700s in Europe, um, I always thought were exaggerated, the numbers. And um, that's, that's not to discredit the primary source record. It's, 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 it's definitely to, to kind of bring it back in and bring back the sensationalism a little bit. And this is not to say that, you know, people did not suffer, that, you know, that great atrocities were committed and injustices 
um, that this was a terrible thing. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, but just to kind of bring the it... world at the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's and exactly. And that's where I'm going with this. So so according to um, the Encyclopedia Britannica, which, you know, is a good is a good way to kind of start out any research just to kind of get a good like tertiary source and get kind of, you know, a basic vocabulary and a basic um, baseline understanding of any given topic. Start out with an encyclopedia of some sort reputable one i'm looking at you conservapedia um <laughs> whoa what wait wikipedia? what is wikipedia reputable Did, I, it, mm, it's information commons as my yeah. brother likes to okay. say okay um okay. but it has references that you can click on yeah <laughs> exactly that's what i use it for <laughs> yeah. and i mine the bibliographies so hard from mm -hmm. wikipedia sometimes but um but anyway so according so according to the um, Encyclopedia Britannica, um, in 1500, uh, the year 1500, so you know a couple, you know a couple decades after the the Malleus was um, was written, we're looking at approximately 61.6 million people living in Europe, out, living in continental Europe, um, which excludes Russia and uh, the Ottoman Empire. Um, so. You know, let's let's think about it that way. So some historians, um, you know, claim that as many as two hundred thousand to five hundred thousand people died in in these witch hunts. That 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 is really really high. Um, I I understand that we're talking about a period that encompasses like two hundred fifty three hundred years, um, but still. Five hundred, half a million people. That seems really high. So um, the conversation uh, um, about how many people have died um, has changed over the last um, couple decades among historians. The the conversation has been to okay, let's dial this back. Let's see how many people have really, really died. Um, so according to um, Jeffrey Burton Russell, the the history professor from UCSB, quote: the hunts were most severe from 1580 to 16. 30, um, and the last known execution for witchcraft was in Switzerland in 1782. The number of trials and executions varied widely according to time and place, but in, no, but in fact, no more than 110,000 persons in all were tried for witchcraft and no more than 40,000 to 60,000 executed. I don't like those odds though. Yeah. Still, no. Oh, yeah. No. That still is. A lot of people. Yeah. That is still a lot of people. One person is too many. Um, and a high ratio for dying, also, yeah. <laughs> like in, in being yeah. tried. Like that's fifty percent. Or... <laughs> yeah. I, I. But again, I think it's. I think it's definitely worth thinking more about um, how many people um, there were in Europe. How many people um, there were in a given village or in a given city. The great. The great cities of the world. Paris or, or, or I'm sorry, the great cities of, of Europe yeah. <laughs> um, at the time, like, like Paris or London were metropolises. Definitely. They were big, but you know, they were a few hundred thousand people at most mm -hmm. in this period. So, so if you're talking about wiping an entire metropolis off the, off the European map, um, you know, saying 500,000 people died that is way more than the population of Paris at the time. Well, and also a lot of these stories seem so like personal, you know, like mm -hmm. people have agendas against someone or like someone's become a, a burden on the town in some way or another. Somebody says the wrong thing. Like, yeah, it's not necessarily yeah. like I came in here, have all the women step out of line and like bash them in the face. Like it's, you know, a trial of a person that you have picked out of your community. Um, so I can see that being, you know, like lower numbers than uh, what I read in uh, Barstow's book was it's considered the greatest loss of life in Europe um, other than war, like caused by something other than war. Um, or plague. Yes, plague. Yeah. I like to say that last year wasn't actually unprecedented. Yeah. Oh, it was very precedented. Yeah. Extremely precedented. <laughs> very much so.
I, I, I swear, if I hear unprecedented times one more time, I am going. I am going to lose my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost my shit so many times. <laughs> yeah, so that's fun, everybody. And yeah. one of the I don't know if we want to get too deep into torture stuff because. That's pretty dark, but um, one of the things that has its own chapter is like what the hot, the hot iron uh, of common purgation, I guess purging, and especially the trial of the red hot iron to which witches appeal. Yeah. So that is like the top, top instrument of torture that they would use would be to like burn people. Jesus. To get them to confess. Whoa. But like these, these chapter headings are, are interesting because they uh, give you or, you know, give the witch hunters and the courts um, different gradations of how to treat people according to their personal reaction to their own trauma. The method of sentencing in the case of one accused upon a light suspicion, the fifth manner of sentence in the case of one under strong suspicion, the case of someone who is gravely suspect. Uh, passing sentence upon one who is both suspect and defamed. Um, <laughs> one taken and convicted, but denying everything. One who has confessed to heresy is relapsed, but is also impenitent. One who is convicted, but who had fled or what is this word? Contum- contumaciously absents himself. So that word sounds like the SAT. Contumaciously? Yeah. 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 I- I don't know if I've ever heard it before. But... It's a vocab word for sure. <laughs> and I don't know what it means either. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. I'm not going to look at Oh, you're going to yeah. Thanks. I, I have to now. Uh, stubborn, <laughs> stubbornly or willfully disobedient to authority. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, an, we told you ooh. not to leave town so we could kill you. <laughs> you brought this on yourself. Duh. <laughs> It's just interesting to me how like, and this is probably coming from the viewpoint of someone who is post-enlightenment or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, precedent-based um, fucking court systems. But I think it's interesting that depending on how the person is reacting to something, there is different application of the law. Yeah. Which oh, I think yeah. control, controls and dictates the behavior of women to such a higher degree than um, if it were just an equal application, no matter what you were saying or doing. Mm-hmm. And this is where the, the idea of being a scold um, is bad for you. And this is like something that was specifically, I guess, before this all happened, it was really common for older women to just talk shit in the street if they didn't like you without reservation. Um, And this was one of the things that like made them afraid to be killed for it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about spinoffs. So the irony of this whole thing is it like in in the educated uh, populations just inspired this enormous interest in demonology. And as long as you were on the right side of things, you could just dive into this kind of research as much as you wanted. And so what I am going to call fan fiction or, or 4chan posting or whatever, all of these other people created these spinoff Malleus Maleficarums um, to, you know, provide more parameters to um, kill more people. Um, or, you know, maybe they just wanted to make it fun. Um, and it was just taken out of context. <laughs> um, so one of them was called the, oh, you're going to have to help me, Dilamis et Pythonisis Mulieribus. I know that one from singing. <laughs> but it was called sure. On Witches and Female Soothsayers. And this was the first illustrated witch hunting manual. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it introduced a lot of imagery that was, um, I don't know, I feel like, another Helena moment where I'm like accusing someone of being the actual pervert because you do this. Um, (laughs) It's like, oh, you're saying I do that, but for some reason you're not in trouble for drawing this ugly shit. Okay. Um, There was also the Compendium Maleficarum. So basically everything after the Malleus um, had more freedom to be illustrated. So that's where you get images of 
which is interacting with the devil. And one of the most popular images was a woman on her hands and knees smooching the devil's butthole as he like walks away. (laughs) (laughs) Which is especially gross in a time before indoor plumbing and (laughs) common showering practices. Ambit days. Yeah. yeah. Um, It also focused on the types of animals that witches could either turn themselves into or turn other people into. And I think this might be why a lot of men like irrationally hate cats, but Mm. that's just my opinion. It's like possible. Yeah. The, the, you know, women would have a cat and then it was like, oh, this cat, she puts her brain into the cat and the cat comes and watches you like having sex with your wife and then like curses you oh, baby okay. dies and your virile member stops working because <laughs> the cat the is baby. on the window <laughs> flanders voice will somebody think of the virile member <laughs> um okay so that's basically what i had to say about the actual thing itself does anyone want to talk about other repercussions in pop culture or like it's resounding throughout history (laughs) other than monty python wait what is it in monty python the the um uh you know the one with the horses the one with the horse i'll have to ask ryan i don't know no no people are this is where people scream at me the holy grail there we go oh yeah yeah. the one with the horse (laughs) the one with the coconuts oh okay okay but there's this there's a scene where they like are yelling about burning a witch and then they go through these weird like mental gymnastics and they end up killing her because she weighs the same as a duck okay yes Mm, all right well (laughs) (laughs) well i just like out of curiosity typed um Oh my God. Ma- I mean, I pronounce this wrong again. Malamar. Malleus Maleficarum into Spotify, just to, like to see how many songs there were. And there are a shit ton of songs either called that or like albums that are called that um, by like bands that you would not think. I mean, they're not all metal bands. There are a few that are most, okay, most of them are. But <laughs> there is like in um, apparently in the Da Vinci Code. There's a song by Hans Zimmer called Malleus Maleficarum. Hans so, Zimmer? Like mm-hmm. the movie? Oh. Yeah. There's a song huh. by AFI. Do you remember them? Oh, I wish I didn't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think that's true. Wow. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's weird. It's like everywhere. So, but the ones that I found were the Emily, the one that you told me about by Cradle of Filth, which are like a black metal band. And then one by this other death metal band called Pestilence that they also did a song called uh, Malleus Maleficarum. And And we can add that to the show notes if anyone would like to listen to those songs. (laughs) Did you listen to them? I listened to just a little bit of them. So yeah, but I like both of them. Yeah, so. Oh, good. Both of the metal ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but I did listen to the AFA one. So, because I'm not doing that to my ears. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, you're not of the correct uh, generation to no. pay penance by re-listening to emo music. I don't think so. I, yeah, I have, it's funny. One of my best friends, like she emo is like truly her favorite genre. I feel like, and I know. And um, she would make me, it was really cute. Like mix CDs of her favorite. And she'd be like, you just need to listen to more of them and you'll understand and you'll get it. And I was just like, this is like beyond me. So yeah, I don't know. I just don't. Yeah. But whatever. I mean, whatever. It's nostalgic for a lot of people. I get that. So, you know, there's something to be said for nostalgia, if not necessarily good music. So, I just want to get up on my soapbox and push my agenda, which I, I would like to think others agree with me here, that um, there are bad books. <laughs> I just Correct. Living on, okay, living on Bookstagram and living in like book Twitter and everything, there's just this like, I'm so quirky, I love books, and I don't know how much social media you've consumed of this type, Chris, but it's it's kind of this idea that the book is inherently a good, uh, pure thing that makes you smart when you read it, and this oh. is 
This is one of the things I am combating on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they're kind of the same thing that like having books as like a personality, basically, like liking books as a personality. Yeah. Yes. It's like, oh, you say you like books. What do you think of fucking every Rush Limbaugh book that was ever written? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But um, yes, content intent and implementation matters. And the societal effects of the wrong book can reverberate throughout history. Like the Bible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, these things in combination, Mm -hmm. the the supplements, the fan fiction. Yep. Um, Chris, do you want to tell us, switching gears a little bit, do you want to tell us about the book that you wrote that is not um, going to kill people? (laughs) Hopefully not, at least. It it would hmm. be an outlier. I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, <laughs> You'll always so, be my Salinger. Oh, that's nice. Oh, thank you, that. sweetheart. <laughs> um, yeah, this is uh, this was a project that my co-author Jason Weekly and I um, got started on a year and a half ago. We were approached by um, one of our co-workers who's a special collections librarian um, for Sacramento Public Library, um, which is who we also work for. Um, so the, the special collections librarian approached us. He said, hey guys, I've written a number of these books. Um, I, think you guys should, I think you guys should collaborate and write one yourselves. So we did. Um, so it's one of the uh, Images of America books. Um, I have an advanced copy right oh, here. Yeah, ooh, yeah. ooh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everybody has seen these books. They're the um, sepia sepia toned covers and um, their their extended um, photographic essays really about a given neighborhood or a given you know town or or point of interest uh, local point of interest so um, we wrote about uh, the lower American River which is um, on the north side of Sacramento uh, here in California it comes all the way down from uh, the Sierra Mountains all the way down to the confluence with the Sacramento River here in Sacramento. Yeah, we we wrote a book on the we wrote the book on the last 32 miles of that river. We talked about uh, settlement and industry. Um, gold was discovered on on the American River. It's um it's a good it's a good read. I say so myself, um, mm-hmm. and Jason would agree. Um, and yeah, we had a blast. Uh, we had a blast um, looking for all of these uh, wonderful photos and going through various archives around town, um, and learning some crazy, crazy stuff about this town we call home. Hmm. So, images of America, Lower American River. Um, go and pre pre order it now. It's coming out uh, January eighteenth, so a couple weeks from now. Okay, we'll link to it. Um, fabulous thank you on our website and uh, our website is hybridpubscout.com which is where you can see our show notes and find us on any of your favorite podcast platforms and if you like us give us a good review um if you don't like us just leave us alone please (laughs) (laughs) um thank you chris thank you And thanks for giving a rip about books. (laughs)